0: Here's a Japanese
1: sneaking on you. An Hello and welcome to the Good Friends of Jackson Elias, a regular podcast about Call of Cthulhu, horror films, and horror gaming in general. I'm Paul Fricker. I'm Scott Dolwood. And I'm Matt Sanderson. And this episode, we're looking into the seething blasphemy at the centre of the universe, or as we like to call him,
0: Azathoth. Before we get into all that good blasphemy however what is going on
1: there's something lurking behind Paul this is from david kirkby oh and uh, it says guys thank you very much for the shout outs and support for the auctions he auctioned a uh, cthulhu idol recently for the australian firefighters and uh for cancer, cancer research, research. yes yeah. he says matt i know you wanted pathulu hopefully this will fill part of that hole Ooh. scott i know you're dead against this cute wink wink things hopefully this won't be a d20 sand loss for you it's not that cute and paul as you're reading this before the others and wondering what the hell is this going on you can either open the next layer before the others or wait until you're all together and i have indeed waited oh. I, I am a tremble Here with is, anticipation uh, i shall pull out some packaging and uh there's those various uh Bits of packaging here. There's more than one thing actually. Oh, shall I? Um, I'll pass you this, Matt, and you can it's a, unwrap.
2: It's a bubble wrapped horror. There's,
1: there's something here, Scott. I'm not sure. Okay, there's it's, it's one pink. each or what's going on here. Pink
0: or orange, whatever it is, it is. It is. Yes, it is. Oh,
2: it's like a it's like an envelope of uh, bubble wrap. That's
1: why I couldn't open. Ah. It. Oh, it's
0: like a little. Oh bird. wow! Oh yes, 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 ah, yes! Oh, cool! I I have seen David post pictures of this online before. Uh, yeah, they're all identical. So these are little Cthulhu idol statuettes, which are painted in, I guess, orangish. Pink,
1: Yeah, kind of yeah. almost flesh pink. I yeah. flesh.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it is flesh, isn't it?
1: The mouth is very disturbing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a seething
0: mass of tentacles that looks like mints coming out of a grinder.
1: Or mm. he's like sucking up a big load of worms. Yeah. That's a whole load of spaghetti right there. That, yeah.
0: <laughs> these are absolutely gorgeous. Well, thank you very much, David. Yeah, thank Marvellous. you, David. We really appreciate that. I mean, these are... I wouldn't go so far as to call them cute. Oh, by... I would. I think they're cute, cute little blasphemy. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> no, it is sufficiently uncute that I like it. Thank you. <laughs> I believe David does actually sell these, so I shall put a link in the show notes uh, along with some pictures. And if you want some blasphemy in your life as well, then, uh, yes, click.
2: And rolling around in the not-too-distant future... Friday the 7th of August to Monday the 10th of August 2020, for those of you listening in the far future.
0: Continuum, the tickets are on sale now. So for those of you who haven't heard of Continuum, it's a long-running convention in the UK that started out life as exclusively a Chaosium convention and still very much focuses on Call of Cthulhu and RuneQuest and HeroQuest and all the other stuff that comes into the Chaosium penumbra. And
1: talking of upcoming conventions, I'll be at Games Expo at the end of May... If you're there, please pop by the Chaosium stand. I'll probably be around there quite a bit and also running one of the scenarios in the Cthulhu tournament.
0: And now let's delve into our main topic, Mythos Deities, Azathoth.
1: This is part of an ongoing series. We're looking at various deities and gods and great old ones. This time we're looking at Azathoth. For people who perhaps have only heard the term or are not familiar with it. What is Azathoth? Well, he's this blind idiot god at the centre of the universe that is surrounded by these pipers that kind of keep him perhaps dormant, perhaps asleep, perhaps entertained. And he is really the the main god, I suppose. He's like the god of gods, isn't he? He's like the creator of the universe, perhaps. He's kind of central to
0: Lovecraft's Cthulhu mythos. He certainly is at the centre of creation, Whether or not he is responsible for creating it all, well, let's get into the history of how Lovecraft developed Azathoth, and then how other people built on that, and perhaps shaped our perception of what Azathoth is in the game.
2: Well, if we go back to right to the beginning, the first instance where the big A turns up is just in Lovecraft's commonplace book from 1919, with just three words. Azathoth, hideous name. That's it. (laughs) <laughs> Nothing else, no no detail, centre of the universe, nuclear chaos, just hideous name.
0: Well, do you want to explain what the commonplace book is?
2: Quite timely, it seems, because the HPLHS have just put out a, a replica of, or recreation of, Lovecraft's commonplace book. It's basically something that I imagine a lot of authors have. I know I've got a few of them up on my shelf at home. Um, notebooks full of all random ideas that, hey, yeah. I've just had a hideous sanity blasting idea. I'll jot it down in my
0: notebook and potentially hopefully work it into a story at some point. Or if you're August Erlith, it's a gold mine of future posthumous collaborations. The next mention of Azathoth
1: is an unfinished story fragment from 1922. So, yep, you can find this one in some of Lovecraft's story collections, I think.
0: Yeah, it's Mm. only about 500 words. It is very, very brief.
2: I think he did mention in some of his letters, thinking back to the quite nice intro to the uh, Azathoth cycle, the book in the Cthulhu Mythos fiction, a collection that calcium have been releasing volumes of over the years. It's one of the early ones, so it's still when Robert Price was the editor, and it's his foreword in the beginning of the book, mm. where he mentions about how Lovecraft was very enthusiastic about mentioning, "Oh, I've started this, got a grand, almost Lovecraftian uh, Vathek." <laughs> Sorry,
0: Lovecraft was announcing that he was writing a grand Lovecraftian well, as, book, as,
2: as in his, his <laughs> yeah. own take on it. <laughs> okay. He wasn't pretentious enough to call uh, to use the word Lovecraft in, in his yes. own writing, but saying that he was planning on this, his grand take on Vathek, the uh, the William Beckford novel. But putting his slant on it, and that he had written, indeed, has gotten into the beginning of it, and got no further.
0: Now you've read—is it Vathek or Vathek? I've—I've
2: I've always heard it pronounced Vathek.
0: Okay, so you've read Vathek,
2: haven't you? Yeah, I studied you? it as part of my university course.
0: Yeah, so when. Lovecraft talks about this being his version of Vathek. What would that really mean?
2: The easiest way is to say what it ended up becoming is the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. It's in Vathek, the, the very high-level version of it, it's the, the story of the Caliph. Vathek, who goes on a quest for mystical knowledge. And he descends into what could be considered hell and the, God, the underworld and so forth. And it's very much a quest through the weird shit part of the universe. <coughs> uh, if you look at it in uh, through a Lovecraftian lens.
0: Hmm. But the version of Azathoth that Lovecraft envisioned for this initial story was quite different to what we end up with in his later fiction. Again, Robert M. Price talks about how he believes that Azathoth was originally meant to be an anthropomorphic character, hence him being called the Demon Sultan, because he was actually meant to be sort of a Demon Sultan. And that this perhaps ended up becoming... The version of Nyarlathotep that we see in the Dream Quest mm-hmm. of Unknown Kadath.
2: Yeah, there's a reference as well that kind of connects Azathoth back to the other gods' story with the kind of the wizard-like figure or the sage that goes up the mountain to talk with the gods, or Barzai, where it implies that, I think it's mentioned by Carter in Dream Quest, about his skull mm-hmm. that then would be on the ring worn by the demon sultan. So again, it kind of lends weight to the fact that, obviously, if it had hands, it could be an anthropomorphic figure. It would be something that sits on a throne, which again lends weight to it being a humanoid, etc. There there Mm. were lots of little subtle hints, but he seems to have got sidetracked somewhere.
1: And there's a quote from Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath describing Azathoth that last amorphous blight of nethermost confusion which blasphemes and bubbles at the centre of all infinity the boundless demon sultan azathoth whose name no lips dare speak aloud and who gnaws hungrily in inconceivable unlighted chambers beyond time amidst the muffled maddening beating of vile drums and the thin monotonous whine of accursed flutes to which detestable pounding and piping dance slowly, awkwardly, and absurdly the gigantic ultimate gods, the blind, voiceless, tenebrous, mindless other gods whose soul and messenger is the crawling chaos, Nyarlathotep. You need some big lungs on you to go through that sensible <laughs> one breath. <laughs>
0: And Lovecraft pretty much rehashes this same description a number of times in The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath. I mean, there's variants of it. I mean, it's not quite Control-C, Control-V, but it's not far off. It's a pretty good one, though, right? It is, Yeah. Yeah. But this really sets the template for how, in Call of Cthulhu and later Mythos stories, how we perceive Azathoth. That he is no longer this anthropomorphic figure, that he is now this seething mass of chaos at the centre of the universe, that somehow has to be placated by these servitors. One of the
2: things, again, that Price discusses in the intro to the Azathoth cycle is also where Lovecraft... Envision the name; it's all the word itself, apart from mm-hmm. just saying "Azathoth," hideous name, where it originally came from in his in his psyche or his subconscious, and it almost seems to be linked back to the same dream that Lovecraft retooled for the prose poem "Nihiltelep." That whether they both came from the same dream, whether he saw both words on the flyer or the, the exact pinpoint moment is is lost, but it seems to be, again, something that has come from a dream, and that the two ideas do seem to be very closely developed. It's almost like two, um, two streets that overlap occasionally, because there's a lot of similarities mm. between the two as both these characters, both these gods, get developed in Lovecraft's later works.
0: And there are a number of possible Sources for the word that may have planted that seed in Lovecraft's brain. Mm. You know, obviously, it sounds a bit like Thoth, the Egyptian god of knowledge and writing and magic, which would be pretty ironic considering that sort of a spirit of intellectualism. And Azathoth, <laughs> as we'll discuss, is sort of the polar opposite of that. Irony. And Azathoth does. Potentially hook into that as well, in that it was a variant of uh, the name of the supreme god of the Assyrians. Mm.
2: There's, I think, also Price mentions the likes of Azazel, um, the demon mm. out in the desert. Yeah. There's also a town or city Ananoth. Yeah. Yeah. Which the the idea was maybe that Lovecraft just tipped the N over on its side and became a Z.
0: That's mentioned in the Old Testament. Mm. It's also
1: suggested that he took inspiration from Lord Dunsany. Am I right? With the gods of
2: Pagana, very much so. Yes. The gods of Pagana was Dunzany's attempt to, or Dunzany, however you want to pronounce him. Um,
0: his I, I attempt, think it's Dunzany.
2: He wanted to build a pantheon. He wanted to create a literary exercise where he would build his own like myth cycle. Mm. And so he started with the creator god. Uh, the, the the opening of the gods of Pagana introduces the reader to, let's say, the source of all Pagana, the source of all the, all creation, Mana Yud Sushai, or, or who I always interpret as sushi when I, <laughs> when I read that.
0: Manna Yud-Sushai, who made the gods, and hath thereafter rested. And none may pray to Manna Yud-Sushai, but only the gods whom he hath made. But at the last will Manna Yud-Sushai forget to rest, and will make again new gods and other worlds, and will destroy the gods whom he hath made. And the gods and the world shall depart, and there shall only be Mana Yud Sushai.
2: This lovely god, as he's sleeping, is kept asleep by a rhythmic boom, boom, boom of drums by a, another little minor god, Skal.
1: If he ceases for an instant, then Mana Yud Sushai will start awake, and there will be no worlds nor gods no more. Kind of makes you think of servitors piping away and beating along at the court. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's the fact that he's kind of placated and kept soothed and calm by music and that he was kind of the primal god. It's very much a parallel to Azathoth, I would think.
0: And it's also possible that Dunsany in turn got the idea from Lewis Carroll and the Red King and Through the Looking Glass uh, and the fact that were all his dreams. I'm suddenly wondering if Stephen
2: King actually did uh, rip off King Crimson or it was King Crimson that then ripped off Lewis Carroll thinking of the Crimson
0: King. Hmm. Well, after the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, Lovecraft then went on and used Azathoth in a few other stories and, well, at least one poem. The next appearance was in The Whispering Darkness, where he says, "And I started with loathing when told of the monstrous nuclear chaos beyond angled space, which the Necronomicon had mercifully cloaked under the name of Azathoth." Now, there's that phrase nuclear chaos. We'll come back to this a few other times. But when we read this nowadays, that seems to imply something very different than probably what Lovecraft meant at the time. This whole idea of nuclear as a term here, I'm fairly sure Lovecraft meant nuclear in that it's the nucleus of the universe, mm-hmm. is at the centre. The same way as, you know, if you encounter a nuclear family, you don't expect to get irradiated by them.
1: No, I mean, that phrase confused me, you know, growing up, the nuclear family. I thought it referred to the size of the family in the atomic age. Yeah. Obviously, just nuclear like a... Like Like a a, Like a cell of... They just glow in the dark.
0: <laughs> yeah. We'll get on to uh, how a few other writers have approached this and how that's informed mm. Call of Cthulhu. And that term nuclear has become something very different in terms of Azathoth.
2: It's also one of my favourite appearances, which, again, as mentioned, that there are definite developments here in parallel with Nearthalotep, comes straight after the Nearthalotep sonnet in the Fungi from Yogoth Sonic cycle. Oddly enough, entitled Azathoth. Here, the vast lord of all in darkness muttered things he had dreamed but could not understand, while near him, shapeless bat things flopped and fluttered in idiot vortices that ray streams fanned.
0: And this really plays up the idea of Azathoth dreaming, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. yeah was sort of touched upon in the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, but here it's he made very explicit that he is there, trapped in this dream. We kind of see that again with
2: Cthulhu, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Except even with Nyarlathotep smacking him over the head uh, with his own flute, he still doesn't wake up.
1: And in Dreams in the Witch House in 1932, Nyarlathotep, in the guise of the black man from kind of occult folklore, takes would-be witches to Azathoth's court. He must meet the black man and go with them all to the throne of Azathoth at the centre of ultimate chaos. That was what she said. He must sign in his own blood the Book of Azathoth, and take a new secret name now that his independent delvings had gone so far what kept him from going with her and brown jenkin and the other to the throne of chaos where the thin flutes pipe mindlessly was the fact that he had seen the name azathoth in the necronomicon and knew it stood
0: for a primal evil too horrible for description so yeah there we have azathoth effectively as this almost satanic figure that it's tied in with witchcraft and the myths of witches in Massachusetts, and this whole idea that in order to gain power and knowledge and be initiated into all this, you go off, you visit his court, and you sign his book, and you get this new secret name. And we'll come back to this later as well, the idea that secret names and Azathoth go together.
2: Also in 1932, in The Horror in the Museum, uh, Rogers, the deranged museum keeper, uses Azathoth's name in a curse.
0: Fool! Spawn of Noth Yiddick and effluvium of C'Thun! Son of the dogs that howl in the maelstrom of Azathoth!
1: Personally, I'll just say you prat, it's a lot quicker. <laughs> And then from The Thing on the Doorstep in 1933, he refers to Azathoth once more. And uh, we have young Edward Pickman Darby publishes a book of nightmare poetry called
0: Azathoth and Other Horrors. Which is actually a mythos tome in Call of Cthulhu. And it ended up becoming the cornerstone of a cycle of stories which got compiled into a novella by Peter Cannon, Which were collected under the name Forever Azathoth. Oh, yeah. Um, Tartarus Press did a reprint of it a few years back, didn't they? And, yeah, it's quite a fun series. It's not really a whole hell of a lot to do with Azathoth, despite the fact that Azathoth is name-changed all the way through it. It's really a sequel to The Thing on the Doorstep. It's quite a clever book and a funny book in that it, sort of plays with a lot of the development of Lovecraft fandom and the founding of Arkham House and uh, Lovecraft Scholarship, but substitutes Derby for Lovecraft in this sort of fictional world and does all these parodies of figures like August Ehrlich and S.D. Joshi and so on just within this this sort of fictional realm. And, yeah, it's, it's a really fun read.
2: Moving on a couple of years to 1935... Azathoth is also mentioned in passing in The Haunter of the Dark. He thought of the ancient legends of ultimate chaos, at whose centre sprawls the blind idiot god Azathoth, lord of all things, encircled by his flopping horde of mindless and amorphous dancers, and lulled by the thin monotonous piping of a demoniac flute held in nameless paws. What's interesting about this quote
0: is the reference to Azathoth as being the lord of all things. Mm,
2: it right. goes, I mean, goes back to
0: the sonnet, the vast lord of all. What does that actually mean in terms of Azathoth? What, what does that mean he is? Monopoly. Well, and also is Lovecraft being kind of
1: purposefully, um, what's the word, blasphemous, you know, against the, the Christian god yeah. saying, here's your god of all things, and he's a complete idiot.
0: Yeah, blind idiot has to be placated by fawning toadies who prance around him and sing songs and play instruments and beat drums. And go hallelujah, brother. Yeah. I don't think he's saying he is
1: the Christian God, but he's sort of saying here's a parallel.
0: Yeah. I, I think that is very much his intention. I and it's really quite mischievous of him. <laughs>
1: and it's kind of cool saying like that thing that created the whole universe is just an idiot. I mean it's Yeah. That explains a lot.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's a religion I can get behind. But it also then allows Lovecraft to sort of have his cake and eat it too, in that he does have this sort of creation myth. He has this idea of godlike entities, but also has the universe remain meaningless, driven by complete chance. Mm. That none of this is by design. That if, you know, Azathoth is responsible for our creation, because he's either dreaming us into existence, or as we'll come to in a moment, is perhaps responsible for creating the universe in the first place, it still doesn't mean anything.
1: But it, it does put it into that camp of a universe with gods as opposed to that universe of Lovecrafts where it's just scientific rationalism without actual deities, just kind of, you know, powerful beings.
0: Well, except Azathoth still might just be a powerful being. He's just such a powerful being that the only way we can perceive of him is as being a god.
2: And now we take a
1: look at Azathoth in the wider mythos. So we've looked at how Lovecraft dealt with his own creation, Azathoth, and where his inspiration might have come from. But, you know, that inspiration was passed on into the hands of other authors. So let's take a look at what they did with it.
0: Starting with our old friend, Scott's favourite, August Derleth. Yes. Over to you, Scott. Almost inevitably, yes, Derleth got his hooks in there. The main thing that Derleth wrote that dealt with Azathoth was the Lurker on the Threshold. And there's a number of references all the way through. But... What he does is he ties Azathoth very much into his whole war in heaven uh, approach to the mythos and the older gods casting the great old ones out. And Azathoth was very much part of this. And one of the implications in there, which other authors have picked up and, and run with, is that perhaps Azathoth wasn't this idiot before, that this was part of his fall from grace that his intellect was taken away from him, and he was reduced to being this idiot. Ubo-sathla
2: is that unforgotten source, whence came those daring to oppose the elder gods, who ruled from Betelgeuse, the great old ones who fought against the elder gods, and those old ones were instructed by Azathoth, who is the blind idiot god, and by Sothoth, who is the all-in-one and one-in-all and upon whom are no strictures of time or space, and whose aspects on earth are Umar at Tawil and the Ancient Ones. The Great Old Ones dream forever of that coming time when they shall once more rule earth, Mm and all that universe
0: of which it is part. Now, perhaps inevitably, I really don't like this interpretation. I've never really warmed to Durlis' interpretation of this war in heaven and this battle between the Elder Gods and the Great Old Ones. You're not the only one. I think there's something perhaps attractive about this idea of Azathoth almost being a tragic figure who was dashed, had his intellect taken away, and was reduced to being this this mindless monstrosity. But at the same time, I think that then completely undermines what Lovecraft was doing in his stories, which, well, it's if that was pretty much his job. It just keeps coming across as, hey, I want to be as good as Milton. I want to
2: write my own version of Paradise Lost. I'm going to insert the Satan figure being cast down from heaven. And it just seems lazy. Come up with something a bit more original and something interesting rather than being Milton with the serial numbers filed off.
1: So it seems like Ramsey Campbell picks up on this idea of the fall of Azathoth in the story The Insects from Shagai. The main protagonist of the story, Robert Shea, encounters an idol that depicts that what Azathoth had originally looked like.
0: It consisted of a bivalvular shell supported on many pairs of flexible legs. From the half-open shell rose several jointed cylinders topped with polypus appendages And in the darkness inside that shell, I thought I saw a horrible bestial mouthless face with deep sunk eyes and covered with glistening black hair. Dear God, that sounds Freudian. I was thinking partially that the the whole clam aspect
2: of it is almost... Hairy clam. Hairy clam, there we go. It's almost (laughs) reminding me... (laughs) of
0: Moist hairy clam.
2: (laughs) It almost touches upon a similar kind of area for me that Biatis does. Because um, you know, that's a crab, mm. so again, there's like maybe this shellfish or mm. crustacean type thing coming to mind. But the other thing is, it's the fucking flying spaghetti monster. That's what <laughs> it really sounds
1: like. Don't blaspheme about the spaghetti monster, Matt. These noodly appendages touch us all. <laughs> and the Malleus Monsterum, the uh, Chaosium book, lists this as an avatar of Azathoth, named. Oh, thanks, guys. I got this one.
0: Zada Hagla.
1: I, I think that's as <clears> close
0: <throat> as human mouths will ever get, to Indeed. Or, or yours
1: for that matter, Paul. Indeed. Goes tight. Later, Shay sees something ooze into the corridor a pale grey shape, expanding and crinkling, which glistened and shook gelatinously as still moving particles dropped free but it was only a glimpse. He saw a gelatinous cube. (laughs) He did have a Shan in his head at the time, so what can you expect?
0: But this is something that I think Call of Cthulhu and Delta Green have built on since then, this idea that there are portions of Azathoth in the ships that the insects from Shigai, the Shan, use, and that this is this nuclear power aspect of Azathoth that we talked about, that... This ends up sort of powering their spaceships by having the seething nuclear mass, this living mass within their ships. Mm. Mm.
2: There's, I think, another another great take that I always find on the Shan. I think it did come from Delta Green because it explained why they were stuck on Earth. Basically, they screwed up on the geometry of the shape of their ship. That It's their own ineptitude with mathematics that has kept them stuck on Earth. They've got a great power source, but they ain't got the right shape to use it.
0: <laughs> and Richard El-Tierney used Azathoth or at least mentioned him in a number of his stories but as all good Lovecraftian writers do he came up with variant names and some of the names that he came up with you know, perhaps good ones to use in in your games if you want to perhaps slightly disguise things or just make things sound a bit weirder. Some of the names he, he came up with included Akamoth, Azathoth and Azdahak.
2: Doesn't Akamoth also appear in the Gnostic Gospels? Fairly mm. sure I've heard the name or heard the term used in other contexts. I'm fairly oh, sure possibly. it's
0: in there.
1: Huh. Was that in your dreams, Matt?
2: No, I think it was actually some research I did for Mage of the Awakening, because Akamoth's a term that comes up in that game as well. In the Titus Crow books. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Fuck yeah. It was inevitable. <laughs> Brian Lumley describes Azathoth, as being an embodiment of the awesome power of the atom, another way to interpret Nucleus in a completely different context.
0: Yeah, so just to give it the historical context... Nuclear physics was a thing at the time. I mean, Ernest Rutherford had been working in the field; had pretty much founded the field around, I think, nineteen o six, and ended up winning the Nobel Prize for Physics as a result. And this is something Lovecraft would have been very aware of. I mean, it was, mm. you know, it was certainly as a you know big science fan himself, but just because it was big news at the time, it's perhaps easy to sort of see nuclear in that context, but what rutherford did was subtly different i mean he identified the atom as having a nucleus he did identify that yes there was a release of energy that if you split the atom and it would spit out various radioactive particles but the whole idea of atomic energy of nuclear fission used to make nuclear power plants and atomic bombs and so on didn't actually come about until 1938 when people discovered that these reactions that Rutherford saw could turn into a chain reaction, and the energy that was emitted by one splitting atom could then go on and split other atoms and cause a chain reaction and boom, lots of energy. Mm -hmm. So this wouldn't have been on Lovecraft's mind. So when we get writers like Lumley and Campbell, who take that nuclear and talk about it being atomic energy, I mean, sure, I mean, that's a great way of using it, but I don't think it's anything to do with Lovecraft's vision of it.
2: No, it it very much is Nucleus as being at the centre of all things. I can kind of partially forgive Campbell because one way that you can interpret it is that you're using Azathoth as the source of the creation of all things. And if we are indeed all parts of his dream, that if you're connecting to that central source, then yes, you could teleport yourself to wherever you want in the universe. That at least makes thematic sense.
0: that quote came from the Burrows Beneath, in case you want to go and experience it for yourself. And then uh, Gary Myers, in the story Passing of a
1: Dreamer, creates a messenger of Azathoth, which is expanded in the Dreamland supplement. Man never suspects who it is that lurks, bubbling and blaspheming beyond the rim, in full view of the moon's dark side. More delirious than that which the pale toad things sliced and prodded with curious weapons as it bulged hugely from a sickening crevasse. Yet it was but the lowly messenger of that other, that shocking final peril which gibbers unmentionably outside the ordered universe where no dreams reach, the boundless demon sultan Azathoth.
2: Oh, so Carter wasn't really any trouble then at the end of Dream Quest if no dreams reach him.
0: <laughs> but yes, this is the idea that... Azathoth spits out these bits of himself, these seeds these bits of matter, which travel across the cosmos in the guise almost of comets and will impact with bodies in this case the threat is that it might land on the moon. And germinate there like a seed, use the body as an egg effectively, and then when it grows to fruition just crack that celestial body open, and then go out and, and you know, flutter across the cosmos again in a new form. This is sounding
2: scary like a very bad Doctor Who story.
0: It is, yeah. Or color out <laughs> of space.
1: Yeah. Potentially. That's that better. best of him lying out and having some weird influence.
0: If I remember correctly, there's a... I can't remember whether it comes from one of the Call of Cthulhu supplements. I think it does. This idea that the Tunguska Blast in Russia in the mm. early 20th century was actually one of these seeds landing.
2: Our good old friend Lumley also created the Azathai, the children of Azathoth. This is from Elysia, the coming of Cthulhu from 1989.
0: Which is another one of the Titus Crow books.
2: Yeah, I think it's the last one, isn't
0: it? We can only hope.
2: They are formed of living nuclear energy, unstable and often exploding as Azathoth th- disgorges them. Only three have survived this, leaving their father's court equally unoriginally named Azath. Azath. They're even just changing an A to an E at the end. An Azathu. Oh.
0: So we got Azathar, Azathai, Azathi, Azathu. We, we never quite got an Azatho. He left us hanging there. Or an Azathai. I mean, it's not that
1: <laughs> much different to a Akamoth and Azathoth.
0: It it's not, but somehow it's a bit shit.
1: Somehow, because you don't like lovely, you less <laughs> them, like them less.
0: So what we shall call
1: such creatures who, when they are summoned or born, can turn worlds to cinders and rekindle dying suns to nuclear furnaces. In eons past, they were named the Azathai, Children of Azathoth. And something we didn't mention is this whole Children of Azathoth thing, because apparently in one of his letters, exchanges with with somebody, Lovecraft mapped out his descendants oh, yes. from Azathoth all the way down through various gods and uh, beings all the way down to humble old Lovecraft himself, which yes. is very silly, but a bit of fun.
0: <laughs> That's one of these things that Lovecraft did as a joke, which yeah. Derleth then took seriously. Yeah,
1: it seemed to <laughs> be like he didn't quite get the joke. <laughs> no. Oh, no.
0: And now let's take a look at how Azathoth is used in Call of Cthulhu.
2: He's at the centre of the universe. Everything revolves around him. That means he must have a pretty big gravitational field. So how big is this guy?
1: As big as he wants to be.
0: <laughs> yeah, so his size in Call of Cthulhu is given as variable.
1: Size of an Azathoth. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere between one and many. If you create the universe, you can decide what size you want to be, surely. I mean, come on. Maybe he just makes the universe bigger and smaller and he stays the same. Oh, yeah,
2: yes. Or he is this literally a nucleus of an atom. He is that small.
0: Yeah, I've always pictured Azathoth as being indescribably huge. And this sort of then puts a really interesting complexion on the call Azathoth spell, which is, you know, if he is, say, the size of a galaxy or something like that, then calling him would be an unwise idea.
1: Oh, I'd never
2: envisaged that, but yeah. I've kind of pictured him as being planetary-sized. I've had him, like, that's no moon. That there's something there that's surrounded by this massive construct that
1: could be considered a throne. You know, I've got this idea of him from the stories, but I couldn't quantify a size. Whether it, mm. a, when you say a, a galaxy, I don't imagine him that big. But I don't really imagine him planet size or any size really. It's just mm. kind of is.
0: I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Yeah. Well, I mean there's nothing in the stories that really indicates what kind of size he'd be. And if he's floating out in there in space, it's very hard to quantify, you haven't got much to compare to. Yeah. But, you know, if you're going to call him into your backyard, that size suddenly becomes very important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: He's either very close or very far away.
0: It's hard to (laughs) gauge. Well, he is described in the fiction as being beyond angled space. Mm. So you could almost play games like that, have him turn up and appear to be perhaps quite small, but that's simply because while he's appearing to be here, he is in fact very far away, and you're just sort of seeing through different angles of space than you imagined. Very far away
1: indeed. The Call of Cthulhu rulebook suggests his location as 10 billion light-years from
0: Earth. Which last time I checked, is a long way. Just a bit. So do you think then, given his huge size, or at he's a long way away, could he actually be perceived by us at some stage through astronomy? What, what would that be like? Here's
1: a telescope and a D10-D100 sound check. Go knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So there are a few things, aside from Azathoth as an entity, as a deity in uh, the Call of Cthulhu rules, there are also one or two other things. There are spells that relate to him. So there's Call Azathoth. Just as great as Call (laughs) 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 Cthulhu. So I'd say, end campaign here, click. (laughs) It's not a great idea, is it? With the alternative names of Petition of Chaos, the unspeakable vowel of Shagai. I I think another old one was
2: Call Forth the Sun. Which even a few of them thought, when I've had players around the table go, oh, that's obviously
1: Cthulhu, we're not summoning it. No, no, he's better than that. <laughs> oh, well, either one's, yeah, either one's good.
0: But if you're playing with the idea that he is some kind of atomic energy, then you could almost imagine calling him just producing this huge atomic explosion that it would be like letting an H-bomb off.
2: Yeah. See, previous mention of Tunguska.
0: That's your handout. You
1: just turn like a laptop around and press the play button. There's the nuclear <laughs> bomb going off. Yeah,
0: with, yes, you were with, successful. With, with a little arrow pointing at the base of it saying, you are here. Yes. Okay,
1: <laughs> yeah. let's roll new characters. Yeah, your new um, location, ground zero. <laughs> let's roll new characters in a different continent. <laughs> And uh, in the stories in the fiction we do get this reference to a secret name of Azathoth which is uh, terrible to know and this is reflected in the game in the spell Dread Curse of Azathoth even knowing particularly
2: knowing the last syllable i think mm. is how it's described is that well if you know the first bit you're going to know the last bit and that last bit ain't good
0: Whereas in Ramsey Campbell's The Mind on Yagoth, Asathoth's secret name is something that you actually invoke to offer protection. Saying his name or this secret name will actually protect you against the forces of the mythos. Mm -hmm. It's like a verbal elder sign.
2: Yeah, it shows, hey, bitch, I've got power. Don't mess with me.
0: (laughs) But I did wonder, you know, this whole idea of secret names, how this ties in with the signing of the Black Book. And you know the fact that when you do so, you take on a secret name of your own. It, it seems to be a sort of odd combination of symbolism and ideas with Azathoth, that you have him as being this you know blind idiot, this creator god, but at the same time that he's all about this sort of secret knowledge.
1: I've just had this pop up in my mind of the clip from Life of Brian now, <laughs> with uh, John Cleese berating people for saying the you know Jehovah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Malleus Monstrum suggests that Abu Sathla is Azathoth's twin. I think that comes from fiction, though, right? I mean, well, it's all fiction, right? But <laughs> it comes from, from yeah, that um, passage. Yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's also from Lovecraft's letter where he talks about his descendancy from Azathoth. It goes through Abu mm.
0: But again, then this completely undermines the idea that he is some kind of creator, or, yeah, you know, unless the two of them represent some kind of duality mm. that led to the creation or. <laughs> Yeah, I, I suppose, Yeah, if you were looking at this whole idea of uh, Azathoth being the Big Bang, if you had the meeting of matter and antimatter creating this huge explosion, perhaps you could take Ubersathler as being some kind of embodiment of antimatter and Azathoth as matter, the two of them coming together and, you know, creating something cataclysmic and creative. There's some
2: parallels as well, I've seen, with, because Oobla Satha's also a kind of mindless entity, depending on where you want to put him. The, the normal one I've seen is that he's in a cave somewhere near the South Pole, surrounding the tablets stolen from the Great Library of Solano. That, again, it's Ublasatha has committed crime, has stolen the knowledge from the, from the Great Library, must be cast down, becomes mindless. And again, it's very similar in theme.
0: And mm. um, generally, you want your librarians to be a bit smarter than that. So in the Call of Cthulhu rulebook, Azathoth
1: is uh, listed as being worshipped by the Shan, also known as the insects from Shagai, and it states, The technology of the Shan seems most like that of the Mego. It has been predominantly turned towards the dark science of the mythos gods. They fly through space in great pyramidal spaceships. At the centre of each of these craft is a nuclear reactor, in inverted commas, which is thought to be
0: a portion or Dimensional portal to Azathoth. So, yeah, there's that idea of the dimensional portal, because when we were talking about the insects from Shagai before, I guess we were assuming that it was a bit of Azathoth mm. that was in each one of their ships. But, yeah, I kind of like the idea that it's almost like a gate that just connects through. Oh, yeah. that, seems, that seems, I don't know, a bit more respectful than sort of, yeah, hello, God, yeah, we, we worship the fuck out of you, but, yeah, like, can I just borrow a bit of you? Yeah, I'm just going to stick it in this box and fly across space with it. Okay, yeah,
1: cheers. I mean, that could be what they had in Event Horizon. In the oh, film. yeah, yeah. I mean, if that didn't open a
0: portal to Azathoth, I don't know what did. Mm.
2: But definitely ultimate chaos.
0: And of course, I realised the other reference to Azathoth in the fiction that I forgot to mention here was certainly, I think, one of your favourites as well as one of mine, which was uh, from Resume with Monsters.
1: Yeah. We have this main protagonist in the story who... It's hard to tell. Is he suffering from mental illness? Well, we kind of think he probably is. He's got this... He's running a fairly mundane job, but he is beset by mythos entities quite a lot of the time. Mm. And it's a fantastic kind of dark comedy. And uh, I think it's towards the end where he just sort of signs off and uh, he's, he's fine now. He's kind of recovered... But then he goes into the other room and the phone's ringing and it's you know just has to take the call from Azathoth.
0: And it's just sort of implied that every now and then he just has these fairly relaxed conversations on the phone now with Azathoth. Azathoth will just phone up to shoot the yeah. shit with him.
1: <laughs> it's really lovely.
0: <laughs> but yes, I remember... At some point, you're getting very, very drunk at a convention. Uh, what? Me? <laughs> no way. Well, this was the prawn sandwich incident, I think. Oh, so it was okay. a combination of that and a, a well-heated, um, you know, well-aged prawn sandwich that you had. And mm. the, I, I just remember you, you the following morning, they're absolutely pale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sitting there, I mean, this is long after breakfast, I think it was lunchtime, just sort of sitting there, pale and shaky, and just looking at me saying, I spent all night on the phone with Azathoth. <laughs> 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 on the porcelain telephone with Azathoth. <laughs> That's, <it. laughs> That's how you get the
1: real knowledge. Henry I... Armitage Shanks. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, what kind of people would worship Azathoth? Me! <laughs> okay.
1: There, what kind look, of- a, look <laughs> at Matt. That's who would do it. I said, it. what
0: kind of people?
1: Nihilistic, strange people. Treat the universe with the
2: contempt it fucking deserves. Downright straight.
1: Yeah. yeah. Accountants.
2: <laughs> yeah, again, I resemble these yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, there are kind of doomsday cults who worship and, and who believe the world is going to end but they think they're going to be elevated to some heaven or, or something like that and, and taken up so i can see that you could have the same idea about azathoth that he's he's dormant he's being kept asleep right now but you know he's the creator of the universe and we should worship him because one day he's going to wake up and we want him to bestow his beneficence
0: upon us alternatively i can see it almost being a kind of intellectual antinatalism. That, you know, this whole antinatalist philosophy of we would have been better not being born, but well, certainly that human consciousness and our ability to think brings us endless suffering. That, that sort of very much ties in with the appeal of worshipping a mindless God, that perhaps he could bestow his glorious mindlessness upon us and free us of this burden of consciousness.
2: I'm on Lagotti's side here. This sounds like a good, good choice.
0: <laughs> well, Lagotti did actually write a story about Azathoth. Well, he's written a few stories that mm. sort of touch on Azathoth, but one in particular called "The Sect of the Idiot" that, oddly enough, for Lagotti, doesn't really touch on those elements. Mm. I mean, it's it presents a very sort of weird little town and very strange little cult of perhaps transformed human entities. And I suppose they do just sort of sit around mindlessly, but they sort of seem to spread by contagion, a sort of contagious evangelism. It's not like anyone sort of thinks, I want to be free of this burden of consciousness. It's just you come across them and you're changed. I think one of the appealing things about Azathoth
1: are these beings that pipe and play flutes around him and a bit like the number stations you know being able to tune into something on the radio you know in years <laughs> gone by as one did and like pick up the, the piping coming through that'd be someone cool. should and, write a
0: scenario like and, that and, yeah
1: I mean that'd that's be a great idea. Is that exactly what happened in your scenario Matt it wasn't very close was it okay yeah. but that was actually a number station right yes exactly that, that right um, it
2: was a number station monitor so monitoring the airwaves to make sure that nothing was being cut across the signal heard this strange melody piping from mm. somewhere way up in space and thought, hey, there's a pattern to this mm. and a gap.
1: What happens if I respond in the gap? Yeah, you you seem particularly drawn to those kind of servitors that play the pipes and so on, because you had another scenario that played on those. Yeah, I've used them a couple of times to impart wisdom that
2: they're beings that can be called upon to learn forbidden knowledge. Or in some cases, if you're really unlucky enough, end up calling them and being turned into one so that you can help join the endless, endlessly growing choir that helps keep Azathoth fursated.
0: Well, that strikes me as being one of the potentially dangerous aspects of calling them, which is if this song that they play, if this music that they play, is there to placate Azathoth, to keep him asleep, to keep him mindless, then what effect is that music going to have on human beings if you call them up and they carry on playing that same song when mm. is that going to rob anyone who hears it of their intellect and turn them into the same kind of mindless or indeed
1: a kind of sleeping beauty kind of thing yeah. where everybody just the whole kingdom falls asleep that'd be pretty cool I've- you wake up and it's all right 20 years later
2: I've had it work on a couple of different levels because thinking that that would imply almost that our brains work on the same or our consciousness and being work on the same level of that as, as thought that it would have the same effect. Another thing i've had it done is completely scramble the brain so mm. not just that it's a hey roll sand loss for this but have it actively induce something like synesthesia that it completely fucks with all your senses because it's a, it has a purpose and it's not meant for your brain your brain cannot comprehend what this thing is trying to do and literally garbles everything up in the
1: process and also what you said put me in mind of people being almost cursed and drawn into that court to play the pipes to keep Azathoth asleep. Mm. If we're talking about worshippers, rather than a doomsday cult that, that is seeking the end of the world, perhaps there's a cult that, you know, wants to prevent Azathoth waking up and they actually, you know, aspire to mm. become pipers and, you know, servitors in that court. Yeah, to become immortal and make sure that he sleeps until the end of time itself. Yeah, and to fill mm. that role themselves. So they'd be going to like top music schools and so <laughs> on, I don't know. That, enough, could be yeah. kind of, that could be kind of fun. Well, it's one of the
2: musings you could think of what happened to Eric Zahn. Right. That he got taken away to go to the court because he was that damn good with the vial.
1: That's what prog rock was all about.
0: (laughs) 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 But if you flip that on its head, you could have cults who were looking for ways of waking Azathoth up. If it's Azathoth's dreams that are sustaining the universe then again, this could be a way of breaking the cycle of suffering that is existence. By waking Azathoth up, you are bringing a peaceful, final end to all creation. Oblivion! Mm. Also, there's reference to
1: things outside that Azathoth perhaps can't reach or or Mm. can't reach at the moment. So maybe while he's, he's sleeping, we're kind of trapped here, all this universe is kind of trapped here. But perhaps when he wakes up, you know, those gates will fall and... Things from outside or come in, or we can get out. We can ac- access other universes or whatever, yeah. um, or, or dimensions.
2: Quasir um, Kuchil- Latas is a prime example of that. That he's been described as being from outside.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's very open to what that means, isn't it? From outside, it's evocative, but
0: mm. yeah. But I guess. If we think about within the Cthulhu mythos, sorcerers who might be interested in traveling to other dimensions and other realms, it's, it's very easy to focus on Yog sothoth for that because mm. he is the gate and the key. But yeah, I mean, it, it could well be Azathoth in that respect. Well, I mean, the other way that he could work like that is that he is in this constant state of dreaming, that maybe invoking him somehow, invoking that aspect, is another way of getting to the dreamlands. Mm. Mm. you just better hope that it's earth's dreamlands
1: it seems like yog-sothoth is sometimes almost used as a utility to open up portals in time and space but almost like for personal use you know if you could draw upon his powers you could do that whereas i think engaging with Azathoth like that, it'd be a universal effect, it mm. seems. But that's, that's how I, I'm interpreting it.
2: Yeah, I've, I've played a Delta Green game where instead of using Yogg-Sothoth as a method to teleport around the universe, it has actually been Azathoth. And boy, did I take one hell of a sand hit when I realised what exactly this machine was doing. <laughs>
1: mm. I think that's one of the good things about the various gods. They're, they're not too tightly defined, but they do have their own flavour and suggestions of what effects they have in the game and the,
0: and the fiction. And also, if we take this idea of Azathoth as being nuclear energy, then, yeah, if we're looking at a modern game, then cultists or, you know, worshippers or sorcerers who are interested in Azathoth may do some really horrific things with radiation, irradiating themselves, irradiating other people as some kind of sacrament. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I did actually put this in the Cold War book had a sect of Azathoth that just kept trying to breach the security perimeters of nuclear power plants and research facilities because they wanted to get to those radioactive cores because it was the closest Mm. they were ever going to get to their gods.
1: Now, I can see that going two ways. In a a regular game, that could be that they are deluded. So, Mm. you know, getting to those nuclear power plants isn't actually going to give them access to Azathoth. You know, it's just going to cause meltdowns and uh, devastation.
0: Yeah. Which is certainly how I wrote it, yeah. Yeah. But in pulp, <laughs>
1: <yes>. <laughs> radiation, mm-hmm. come on, superpowers. Oh, yeah. That's how radiation yeah. works. That's Science!
2: <laughs> With an exclamation mark in big yes. capital letters. It it suddenly does make me think that the old BBC miniseries, Edge of Darkness, suddenly presents a hot cell as a temple to all Azathoth worshippers. Oh, yeah. That?
0: Yeah. And what would... An avatar of Azathoth be?
1: It's harder to imagine. Mm. if You're sort of thinking of him being dormant and asleep. I don't really see avatars. And we don't really... Do we see avatars in the game much?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: No. I can remember seeing them in fiction once, and for the life of me, I
2: can't remember who wrote it. It essentially pinned down this avatar of Azathoth as being this almost double snake-headed thing in the bottom of a pit that was chained up that couldn't leave. Oh. And it was the weirdest. It was kind of the, the thing that I least associated with Azazoth was mm. presented as an avatar. Yeah.
1: I mean, do you have any ideas on that, Scott? What avatar have, have you used one? or
0: No, I haven't. I, no. I was trying to you know, just imagine what one might be like. And the closest I could get was um, thinking back to Grant Morrison's run on Doom Patrol, this comic in the 1980s, superhero comic. There was a supervillain in it called Sleepwalk who basically had superpowers only as long as she was asleep, as long as her conscious mind was shut off. And she basically wandered around with a Walkman and headphones on to shut out the outside world, drug herself, and then just sort of sleepwalk through life exhibiting all these superpowers, but with no con- Conscious control over them. Hmm. And I could imagine someone drawing Azathoth into themselves and again extinguishing their consciousness and just becoming this unbridled source of power with no driving intellect behind it. And that would really be quite terrifying.
2: I think I'd go down a similar route, actually. I'd, I'd go down the Dreamlands route, but probably make it something that wasn't quite so much a physical thing that It wasn't a hey, I've got a three legs and a massive, a uh, massive tongue for a head. It would be thinking of <laughs> like thinking of the bloody tongue avatar.
0: So, sorry, the, the listeners won't have seen the look on Paul's face as he was trying to work out where you were going. It was hand <laughs> <laughs> signals
1: as well. The massive, the massive, <laughs> yeah, very but continue,
2: um, yeah, but yeah, not, not a creature or monster, but. Almost like an area of dream that moves around the different areas of dreamland. So got, mm. passes over Earth, passes over Saturn, passes over all different parts. And just wherever this thing, almost like a shadow, wherever it passes, everything goes absolutely crazy.
1: Almost like his dreaming attention sort of thing.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Almost like this is where his eye or where his consciousness has flitted to. And that while there everything has become chaos.
1: I mean, if he's created the universe, if we take that slant, then maybe he's dreaming of little bits of it and he's thinking about your bit right now. Yeah. In his dreams. And Mm -hmm. just what kind of horror that would invoke.
0: Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, Yeah, I I like like that. And that sort of answers the next question I had, which is how would you actually make Azathoth an active presence in a scenario? Because, I mean, thats I think it's a common problem with a lot of the deities in Call of Cthulhu which is they are very much meant to be off-screen presences. That, yeah, all right, it, it, with Azathoth you could have trips out to his court, but that is, yeah you know, something that's been done. I mean, Lovecraft did it three times in one fucking story. We, mm-hmm. we don't necessarily need that again. I and mean, if you wanted to have Azathoth as an active participant in the story, could you even do it?
1: It's always a challenge, isn't it, because they're such big players to, mm-hmm. to bring them in wholeheartedly but yeah, you know, that what matt just suggested yeah. i think answers that very well actually yeah
2: yeah i'd, I'd definitely want to do it I'd, I'd want to use azathoth as an active feature in a game or probably a campaign because i think it's something that would be that kind of level of story
1: or entering the dream realm you know if there are various dream lands there's the dream lands that lovecraft describes but if there was a dreamland made up wholly of azathoth's dreams well you know yeah, 20 yeah. that would be
0: I mean, Lovecraft does actually mention in The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath that there are other dreamlands beyond Earth's dreamlands mm. from alien minds. Yeah. And so, yes, that would fit in entirely with that. Yeah, I mean, such a place would just be pure nightmare. I mean, Lovecraft mentions in in that story that I, I think it was something like, you know, four or five people have actually managed to project their dreams out that far, and only one of them had returned with with anything like a shred of sanity left. Thank you,
2: you're listening to The Good Friends of Jackson Elias. You can find show notes for this episode at BlasphemousTomes.com, where you'll also find all our social media links. We have t-shirts and other merchandising available at our Redbubble store. If you're enjoying this show, please consider backing us at patreon.com forward slash Elias. Thank you for listening.
1: Uh, well, enough blind idiocy for one week. Uh, <laughs> until next time, it's a good night from me. Cheerio from me. And a farewell from me
0: hello so in the Malleus Monstorum no, it also... is in the Call of Cthulhu rulebook oh I'm sorry uh, which, in the... which, which you co-wrote yeah I know <laughs> obviously I knew that
1: bit um I was just testing. (laughs)